Have you ever felt unseen or unheard? Was there a time in your life that you chose to wander off on your own, away from God and his plan for you? Do you know the feeling of being in a room full of people, but feeling like you're completely alone? If you've been on the earth for any length of time, you're familiar with these unwelcomed experiences. And while Jesus' ministry did often draw the large crowds, so much more of Jesus' ministry was spent intentionally rescuing the one. Today on Bloom, we'll discuss how we too can have the heart of our good shepherd who will leave the 99 so he can pursue the one. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for September 3rd, 2021. Welcome to Bloom. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. If you're joining us for the first time, we drop a new podcast on the first Friday of every month. I'm so thankful to those who have subscribed and shared Bloom on social media or with friends. I like to think of it as spreading seeds so we can grow together. So if Bloom has been encouraging to you, I would love for you to invite someone to be a part of our growing community. It's also just one of the many great ways to stay connected and up to date on what's happening in women's ministry at Grace. This month, I wanted to share something that I felt God personally place on my heart. I spend a lot of time pursuing God for what he wants me to do and where I believe he is leading women's ministry. And I find that whenever I come before him with the posture of an open heart and open hands, he always shows up. A quick story for you. I was driving in my car the other day, and you should know that when I'm in the car alone, it is almost a guarantee that you will catch me cranking up my worship music and singing at the top of my lungs. The car has always been my safe space to sing to my heart's content without fear of judgment. But on this particular day, I felt prompted to turn off the music, clear my mind of the racing distractions, and fight the urge to multitask my thoughts. You know, women, we are multitasking extraordinaires and our thought life is no exception. And I even chose to pause on mentally preparing to accomplish the next thing I had set out to do, which is typically my biggest temptation when I'm sitting still. I had a quiet encounter before the Lord. And as I kept driving, I drove past a park where I spotted a woman sitting on a park bench alone. Nothing about her appearance or demeanor seemed out of the ordinary to me. I would have just assumed she was simply resting there, taking a break, maybe enjoying the warmth of the summer morning sun. But within the quick moment of passing her by, the Holy Spirit gently whispered to me, Go after the one. A lot of times when the Holy Spirit speaks, we may not always know immediately what he's trying to say to us. But the story that instantly came to my mind was the story of the shepherd recorded in the Gospel of Luke. So we're just going to dive right in. I'm going to read Luke chapter 15 and I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. 
Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, I think one of the most overlooked and underemphasized concepts of Jesus' ministry is that much of his interactions with people were the one-on-one encounters. You know, we, we tend to focus a lot on Jesus' goodness and his faithfulness and his grace. Those are all very true characteristics of Jesus. They were the very essence of God's character. But what about his intentionality? We see it so clearly in his loving pursuit of that one person he sees that no one else does, or that one person he travels far to meet, or even the one he leaves the multitudes for in order to fulfill a divine appointment. First, let's talk about how Jesus saw the one no one else saw. In John chapter 9, we read about how Jesus sees the man born blind. So I'm going to read in John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, it's important to note that before this encounter with a blind man, Jesus had just left the temple, the busy center of Jewish life. And what does he see as he walks out? In the first verse of the story, it says Jesus saw a man blind from birth. He saw him. Someone who spends his days sitting on the side of the road, depending solely on the generosity of those passing by. Someone who was all too familiar with being overlooked. Even the disciples didn't see a man. They saw the opportunity to have a discussion of theological debate. They asked, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus quickly debunked the cultural lie that an illness is only a direct result of sin. But most importantly, Jesus healed this man blind from birth. He was no longer overlooked. He was healed. Can you imagine being completely unseen your whole life because you were misunderstood? Everybody thought that this man or his parents sinned, and that is exactly why he was in this crippled state where he couldn't see. I will never forget when I was in high school, I was at church sitting next to my friends during Sunday morning service when I saw a man dressed in all black, I mean long black trench coat, long spiky hair, piercings all over his face, and a glimpse of maybe multiple tattoos on his neck, you could see the shock and uncomfortableness on people's faces. He walked straight to the altar. He spit on it, and then he proceeded to walk out the side doors of the sanctuary. Now, thankfully, one of the elders of the church quickly got up and followed him out those doors so he could simply have a conversation with him. Now, the elder soon discovered how broken and forsaken he felt. Those who disappointed him the most, those who hurt him the most in his life were self-professed Christians. Now, the next Sunday when he walked in, it was so evident that his entire demeanor had shifted. 
He felt for the first time by Christians, he was seen and heard. And so often people long just to be seen. They just want to know that someone acknowledges them and takes some time to genuinely hear their story. He may not have had an obvious physical ailment, but because somebody chose to see him, not just with physical eyes, but spiritual, he experienced healing from a deeply distorted representation of Christians. And once he saw a picture of Christ in another person, he invited Jesus into his life. You know, Jesus didn't just wait, though, for people to come to him. His love is relentless, and he will stop at nothing to meet the one he desires to reach. One of my all-time favorite stories in scripture is when Jesus travels through Samaria to meet a woman at the well. Maybe it's an incredibly familiar story to you, and you feel as though you've heard it over and over again, But one of the treasures of God's word is that the more we read it and meditate on it, he can always reveal something new to us. When we often consider unpacking this particular story, we tend to focus on the fact that Jesus offers this Samaritan woman, someone highly disregarded and dismissed by society, the divine revelation that he is the Messiah. She was coming to the well to get her fill of water and instead has a transforming meeting with Christ. Now, there are so many details we could easily target and apply for our lives today, but the part I'm drawn to for today's example is actually in the less emphasized part of the story, which is the beginning. Now, at first glance, it may seem like an ordinary introduction, but if we look closely at the language, we see the intentionality of Jesus pursuing the Samaritan woman at the well. So this story is found in John chapter 4, and I'm going to begin in verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sinchar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Did you catch that simple phrase? It says Jesus had to go through Samaria. In a time when the Jews intentionally avoided Samaria and Samaritans altogether, it was clear this wasn't a chance encounter. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He didn't accidentally stumble into Samaria. He didn't just take a wrong turn. The the Google map took him the wrong direction. And he just happened to meet this woman at the well. His mission was full of intent and purpose. Now, when I read this, it makes me ask myself, when the last time was that I was this intentional in reaching someone for Christ? Intentional means deliberate. It's done on purpose. What does that look like? The Samaritan woman had no idea she would find Jesus at the well that day. But Jesus knew that she was going to show up and that he was going to meet her there. Finally, we see that Jesus was not one who needed the affirmation and adoration of large crowds. In many instances, he actually left the crowds because he had a divine appointment to go after the one. We see an example of this in the story where Jesus raises a young girl from the dead recorded in the book of Luke chapter 8. 
I'm going to begin reading in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So as Jesus is heading to heal this sick girl, the crowds begin to press in on him. And then scripture says that he was almost crushed. If we scroll down, we're going to continue reading in verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. I think this is really interesting whenever I read about these stories in scripture where Jesus is with a crowd of people and then he just sneaks away either to a lot of times be with the Lord or be with his disciples or to go after the one. And Jesus didn't refuse to minister to the crowds. We see that from the most famous example of when he fed the multitude. Even though feeding thousands with a boy's lunch is nothing short of miraculous, there is something wonderfully remarkable when Jesus intentionally goes after the one. I don't think it's necessarily the fact that Jesus didn't like the large crowds, as it was more about the fact that he wanted to go after the one who felt unseen, uninvited, and unworthy. It demonstrates the very core of God's heart to pursue personal and intimate relationship with us. You see, most of us will never have the opportunity to witness to a multitude. But what if we chose to focus on intentionally pursuing the one in our life? The one that has wandered, feels abandoned, lonely, or discouraged. What difference could that make? I would love to challenge you as I was challenged by the Holy Spirit telling me to go after the one. To seize the opportunities to go after someone Jesus puts in your path for you to minister to. We don't have to look far or even go out of our way to find someone who needs to hear the gospel. So I wanted to just take a moment to share some information about our upcoming women's one-day fall retreat happening on Saturday, October 2nd at our beautiful Olmstead Falls campus. This is a way that you can go after the one. You can reach out to someone and give them an invitation to come to this because it is going to be a time of Sweet worship, we're going to have some short teaching, personal reflection, small group discussion, and then we're finishing the day with a simple outreach opportunity. But the reason why I think it is so appropriate to invite that person who is that one of the 99 that kind of wandered off, feels a little lost, is because the theme this year is 
come to the table. We're going to focus our hearts on how we first of all belong, how we can linger in the presence of Jesus, and then how we are called to extend an invitation to others to the table. Registration is online. Invite a friend, sister, mother, neighbor, the cashier at the grocery store, and come prepared to be encouraged and empowered. For more information on what's happening for women at Grace, visit gracecma.org ministries slash women. I'm so grateful that you chose to tune into Bloom today, and I look forward to having you join us next month. In the meantime, keep growing and God bless. Thank you.